Anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if, cha- as, as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave thee, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Verses 1 through 5 of Hebrews chapter 13. Then looking in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31, beginning at verse 10. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her, wor- for her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good, and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself, her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and her own, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Verses 10 through 31, Proverbs chapter 31. Father, thank you once again for the fact that your word is a wonderful book of wisdom, a book of counsel, a book of insight, a book of power and grace. 
Thank you, Lord, for how that through your word, you teach us, you guide us, you save us, you mold us, you heal us, you do so, so much as we take time to listen to you and walk with you in your word each and every day. Father, more and more with every passing day, help us to fall more in love with you and with your word and empower us to become much more faithful hearers and doers of your word, believers who are diligent students of your word, who read and meditate on it and thus walk with you in the word daily and believers who are committed to living out what we learn daily from your word. Thank you for the wonderful gift of your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker, and our producer is Isaac Jackson. Again, we do appreciate you being a part of our listening family on an ongoing basis. Uh, We recently started a series that we're calling Building a Genuinely Christian Home. So today is program two of that series. Again, Building a Genuinely Christian Home. And specifically, our focus today is biblical insights to strengthen your marriage. Again, biblical insights to strengthen your marriage. Now, a a foundational passage that we're looking at is Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 15, and it tells us these words. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands are, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Again, verses 15 to 33, Ephesians chapter 5. Now, of course, this passage is a powerful passage. It has a lot of wisdom, a lot of counsel, a lot of insight that every wife and every husband listening can really draw on. I would encourage every husband and wife listening, take time to read and meditate on this passage. And for couples listening, I would encourage you to read through them together. Read through them, discuss them, and pray over them as well. Because remember, if you want to have a biblically-based home, marriage, and family, you need to follow the Bible. You need to be guided by the Bible. One of the tragedies in the lives of too many individuals, and obviously in the world, but too often in, in Christian circles as well, too often we assume that we know how to be what God has called us to be. We assume, many times as men, we assume we know how to be good, strong Christian husbands. 
Too often, wives will assume they know how to be good, strong Christian wives. The reality is we all need a lot of help. We need need a lot of grace. And the fact is, outside of God, we're all in trouble because no man can be a good, strong Christian husband without a lot of help from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. No woman can be a good, strong Christian wife without a lot of help from the Word of God and the Spirit of God as well. Father, thank you, Lord, for every husband listening. Thank you for every wife listening. Thank you for every husband-to-be and every wife-to-be as well. And thank you for the opportunity you give us to be able to help mold and shape and help our children mature to become men and women that will one day be a godly husband or a godly wife. Father, anoint us afresh with the spirit of grace. Empower us to be believers who are wise enough to recognize that we do need a lot of your grace. We need a lot of your wisdom, your empowerment that comes from your spirit and your word, and help us to never assume we can do it on our own because the reality is, Lord, without you, we we just definitely cannot be the kind of husband, the kind of wife you would have us to be. Fill us anew with your spirit of love, patience, forgiveness, and grace you want us to uh, embody. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Again, you're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're looking today at the, the overall topic, Building a Genuinely Christian Home, uh, pro, Program 2. And specifically, we're focusing on today, Biblical Insights to Strengthen Your Marriage. And as I mentioned, we would encourage every single uh, husband and wife to take time to really read and meditate on this passage. Now, let me mention, today I'll be sharing some articles as we often do, and we're encouraging you to email them. Now, the fact is, sometimes I share certain articles um, in part, well, in some of them, I, we may get much better response and people emailing and asking us to get copies than others. But remember, it's not really about that so much, but teaching you truths that you can learn and grow from. The fact is, you know, many times when you learn a truth for the first time, it's like you're planting a seed from the Word of God in your life. But when you hear it again, that's a way of sort of watering it, you might say. It's growing deeper, and your understanding of it may be increasing as you learn better what it means and how to live it out. So we plant and we water in the midst of teaching. And so if you wonder, well... Why, why are they redundant? Why do they do some of the same things over and over again? Because that's one of the ways people learn. Many times, some truths, you hear them the first time, it whets your appetite, but then you hear it again and again. It helps to drive it home. So I want to encourage you once again, with all the articles we share, please email us and ask us to get a copy of each of the articles that we share. We're glad to share them with you. That's what they're for. They're tools, teaching tools to help you grow with, but also parents, tools for you to use to help grow up your children as well. Now, once again today, we're sharing the article entitled Biblical Images of Manhood, again, because it's a helpful article for men to learn from, but again, for parents to know things and truths we need to teach our children about, our boys and our girls as well. This article, again, entitled Biblical Images of Manhood. In the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, there are many truths, insights, and stories that help to paint a clear picture, a portrait of sorts of what a man is, a real man. They specifically paint a picture of what a godly man is. Now, I should say very quickly, there's only one man in all of the Word of God that perfectly paints such a picture for us. That man is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone stands as our only perfect role model is the only man who lived a perfect life without sin in all of life, in all of the world. There are, though, other individual characteristics that we find in some of the other men of the Bible 
that are definitely characteristics to be desired. A number of these traits could be appreciated by any and all men. In looking at the lives of many characters in the Bible, we learn important attributes and characteristics that we as men of God should seek to attain or receive into our lives as well. Also, in this day and time, there's a tremendous need in the world for a clear understanding of what a real man, a godly man, really is. And there's an outstanding need to paint a picture, a portrait of what a godly man looks like based on the wisdom of God's precious word. What are some biblical characteristics that some biblical and some biblical standards that help us see and define what a godly man looks like? Here are a few. Number one, he has received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of his life. See John 3.16, Romans 10.9, and also this man, he seeks to be a man like David after God's own heart. See Psalm 23. Number two, he seeks to read the Word of God daily for himself. See Psalm 1 and Psalm 119, verse 105. Number three, he spends time daily in prayer. See Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Number four, he seeks to have a time daily to bring the family together to read the Word of God, teach from the Word of God, and pray together. See Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9, and Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Number five, he takes and or makes time to train and instruct his children, teaching them about God, the Word of God, and teaching them wisdom, and teaching them wisdom for all heirs of life. See Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9, Proverbs 2, verses 1 to 9, Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 2, and Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 6. Number 6, he seeks to lead and take his family to church regularly, such as worship service on Sundays and Bible studies on Wednesdays. See Joshua chapter 24, 24 verse 15, Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25. Number 7, he has a sense of mission in his life. He seeks with passion to fulfill, to fulfill the specific call of God on his life, whatever that calling may be. See Romans 12, verses 1 to 2, Colossians 3, 1 to 3. Number eight, he works hard to provide for his family. See 1 Timothy 5, 8. Remember, God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. See Genesis chapter 2. Number nine, he's a protector for his family. See Matthew chapters 1 and 2. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. The, this article was entitled, Biblical Images of Manhood. We'll be right back. This is the story of a runaway with no way home and no way out. I threw the best of me away. I had my chance. It's too late now. Too far gone and too ashamed to think that you'd still know my name. But love refused to let my story in that way. You didn't wait for me to find my way to you. I couldn't cross that distance.
Music from Casting Crowns with Love Moved First. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Today we're looking at Building a Genuinely Christian Home, uh, Part 2, and specifically we're focusing on the topic, Biblical Insights to Strengthen Your Marriage. And I was in the midst of sharing from the article entitled, Biblical Images of Manhood, picking up at number 7. This man has a sense of mission in his life. He seeks with passion to fulfill the specific call of God and callings of God on his life, whatever those callings may be. See Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Number 8, he works hard to provide for his family. See 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Remember, God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. See Genesis chapter 2. Number 9, this man is a protector for his family. See Matthew chapters 1 and 2. Number 10, this man lives the life of a good role model for his family and others. See Joshua chapter 24, 24, verse 15. And number 11, this man has the wisdom and the courage to take responsibility to deal with problems head on. He takes responsibility and does not run from it. See 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. A man, a godly man, has a love for God and a maturity and an authority about him that sets him apart from the rest of the males in the world. A real man that honors God is seeking God and seeking to fulfill God's purposes for his life. A real man has perspectives that are biblical and honorable because he's a student of the Word of God. A real man is someone who understands that women and girls are special and precious, and they are to be honored and protected by men. Real men understand that women are not objects to conquer or persons to be disrespected and used. A real man respects and honors women and girls. A real man does not take advantage of women. He respects women and will not be involved with a woman sexually unless he has won her heart and married her and has put a ring on her finger in marriage as well first. Boys ask questions while real men give answers. Boys play house while men build homes. Boys shack up. While men, real men, get married. Boys make babies while men raise children. A boy won't raise his own children. A man will raise his and someone else's when the need arises. Boys make excuses for failure. While real men produce ways and strategies to succeed. Boys look for someone to take care of them. While men look for someone to take care of. Boys drop out of school saying that school is a waste of their time Real men recognize the importance of and the value of education. They desire to be educated and or to gain skills in life in order to reach their full potential in life. The world in which we live is in tremendous need of faithful, godly men. Pray that God will raise up many uh, more godly men who understand the importance, the important place and the, the call of God upon their lives to be men after God's own heart in their home, in society, and in the culture and world as well. Again, the title of that article, Biblical Images of Manhood. If you'd like to get a copy, simply email us at joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to get a copy to you. Again, we're looking at the overall topic, Building a Genuinely Christian Home, again, part two, and our specific topic that we're focusing on today is biblical insights to strengthen your marriage. And keep in mind, a number of the important issues touched on in that article 
Help us as godly Christian men to know these are some goals that we're to shoot for as godly men that honor the Lord. Uh, as it touched on, we're to be diligent students of the Word of God, diligent men of prayer, diligent in seeking to fulfill all God's call upon our lives. And parents, these are things we're to be teaching our sons to aspire to, things we're to teach our sons to go after in life as well. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it has some important information to teach us. Again, insight the Word of God teaches about biblical marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning at verse 1, it tells us these words. Now, concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Verses 1 through 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now keep in mind, the Word of God has lots of insight, wisdom, and counsel to share about Christian marriage and building marriage the way God wants it to happen. So keep in mind, if a man or woman chooses not to marry, certainly that's their prerogative. But on the other hand, if they choose to marry, it's important to understand what marriage is. Well, it's a covenant under God, where they're committing um, themselves to one another in Christ. And remember, Christian marriage is holy matrimony. It's God's idea, designed by God, and it's to be, between a Christian, to be between a Christian man and a Christian woman. The Bible also tells us, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Basically, part of what that means is a Christian man should marry a Christian woman, and a Christian woman should marry a Christian man. And it's important to understand that's important because remember, spiritually speaking, a believer, your spiritual father is God, our heavenly father. And the fact is, uh, spiritually speaking, when someone is not saved, sadly, their spiritual father is the devil. Well, see, when a Christian individual marries someone who's not a Christian, that means whoever that Christian, if it's a Christian man, a Christian woman, when they marry that unsaved spouse, the fact is the devil becomes their spiritual father-in-law. And that's a problem because he has access to your home and to your marriage now. God doesn't want you to have to deal with that challenge. Remember, life is full of challenges. It's full of challenges for any and everyone that's married. But the fact is, if Jesus is not at the center of your marriage, you have all sorts of problems and difficulty. And the fact is, you, you're on your own. But you, the fact is, when you get saved, you have Jesus and the Spirit of God to help you navigate the challenges of marriage. But it's important to know, again, God's Word lets us know, again, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Again, basically, a believer should seek to marry another believer and vice versa. So it's important that you seek to marry another believer. But also, note what it says in chapter 7. 
specifically points out some very important truths. It talks about, again, once they're married, of course, once you're married, husbands, your body belongs to your wife. Wives, your body belongs to your husband now. And, you know, as a pastor, I've been a pastor for most of the last 47 years, and, you know, the reality is it's important to understand marriage is such a serious issue with God. God has plenty of counsel, plenty of wisdom throughout his word to share about it. You know, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 4, it tells us, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. The sexual union is to happen between a married husband and wife and nowhere else. It's not to be between boyfriend and girlfriend. It's not to be between two boys or between two, two girls either. It's not to be between someone that casual friends. It's only the sexual union is only to be found within the context of Christian marriage between a, a husband and a wife and nowhere else. We God, we honor God when we keep it within the marriage bond and within the marriage bed. But keep in mind also another important point to be drawn from this passage is note again, verse three says, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Keep in mind, the sexual union within the marriage between husband and wife is a beautiful thing, and God's blessing is on that union. But also keep in mind, Satan really tries to bring lots of trouble and difficulty and division within marriage whenever and however he can. The fact is the devil will try to tempt men and women who are not married to be involved sexually a whole lot all over the place outside of marriage. But on the inside of marriage, the devil will try to shut down the sexual union between husband and wife. And the reality is it's important to know, too, the sexual union within marriage is very important Husbands and wives are to regularly come together sexually, and that honors the Lord. And the fact is, but sadly, you have many marriages that, for different reasons, they've come to the conclusion, one or the other, or sometimes both, that this is not that important in their marriage. It's important to know that God's Word has important counsel for us all to know and understand. Keep in mind, basically, husbands and wives, you should have a, a, a spiritual policy of having a Open-door policy with your spouse, period. Don't tell your spouse no. Why? Because that's biblical. And we're wrong when we're denying a spouse. It's important to understand, yes, that's what Scripture is speaking of. Wife, your body belongs to your husband. Husband, your body belongs to the wife. That's biblical. Read that passage again. Note clearly what God is saying. Because remember, know and understand this as well. The sexual union nourishes your marriage. It blesses your marriage, and it empowers your marriage as well. So it glorifies God when carried out as God intended it to do between, intended to be between husband and wife. So again, yes, Scripture speaks to this issue. And the fact is, it's an area where, again, the devil will always try to lead you outside of the Word of God to do things not God's way. He wants, again, so his goal is to try to shut down the sexual union within marriage and he wants the people just to go crazy outside of marriage. Remember, our goal is to be biblical. Our goal is to read the Word and follow the Word as well. Father, thank you, Lord, for the every husband, every wife listening, Father. 
thank you for your hand of grace upon each and every one of them. Father, anoint every single spouse listening with a mighty, mighty, mighty anointing. Anoint us, help us to glorify you in the sexual area of our marriages and help us to know, Lord, our goal is to glorify you by carrying out marriage your way, according to your wisdom and your counsel. Lord, help couples to take time to pray over their intimate relationships and to pray and ask you to bless them and to make them what you'd have them to be. And help us to know, Lord, that again, your word, your counsel is always right. It's what blesses our marriages and what honors and glorifies you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I want to share another article um, that's entitled Praying Daily for Your Spouse. Husbands and wives, it's very wise for us to take time to read the Word of God daily together. It's very wise for us to pray daily together. Now, for couples that say, well, we're just so busy, we're going in separate directions, we just don't really have time to do that. Keep in mind, we have time for what we want to do in life, basically. Again, so if we just decide it's going to be a priority, it will be, you can make time for it. Again, definitely we would encourage every couple to make time to pray together every day. Make time to read the Word together every day. Take turns reading the Word to one another. In fact, a good goal is to, uh, in the evenings, when you're home in the evenings, read all the way through the Bible. You know, if you read three chapters a day in about a year's time, you can have read just about through the whole Bible. and But reading to each other is a very wise thing. And remember this, when you draw closer to God, it helps you draw closer to one another as a couple. On the other hand, when people begin to stray away from the Lord, it affects the marriage where too often couples may begin to stray from one another as well. Remember, Jesus should be at the center of our marriages and the center of our homes, and he helps keep our marriages close as they really should be as we're following him the way the Lord would have us to do. Again, the title of this next article is Praying Daily for Your Spouse. And again, I would encourage you, please email us to get a copy of it. And as I share it, I'm really going to read it and pray it at the same time. But remember, if you'll email us to get a copy of it. My, again, the email joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. I would definitely encourage you to do just that. So keep in mind, the first part is the husband's part, and it's a prayer he can pray for his wife. And then, of course, the second part is the wife's prayer that she can pray daily for her husband. And again, every husband listening, every wife it's wise and very productive for you to pray for your spouse absolutely every single day. And for time reasons, we'll just plan to go ahead and pray it on the other side of the break. But remember, if you want to get a copy, email me at joseph at afr.net. Again, the title of this article is Praying Daily for Your Spouse. So every day is a very wise, it's very wise for us as couples to pray together for and with each other. Every day, it's wise to read the Word of God together as well. And remember, if you say to yourself, I just don't have time, remember, we basically have time for what we want to do. I hope that you really will take time to do that. Father, anoint every believer listening with a, the, the, the spirit of prayer. Empower us to make time to pray together every day as husbands, husbands and wives. We thank and praise you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Today we're looking at the topic, Building a Genuinely Christian Home, Part 2, and focusing specifically on biblical insights to strengthen your marriage. We'll be right back.
You're the king of these people. You're the lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. For greater things have yet to come, and greater. Music from Passion, song entitled God of the City. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Today we're looking at the overall topic, Building a Genuinely Christian Home, Part 2, and focusing specifically on biblical insights to strengthen your marriage. Here's, again, excerpt from an article entitled, Praying Daily for Your Spouse. Husbands, the following prayer is a very fruitful prayer to pray for your wife every single day. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the gift my wife is to me and to our family and to the church and the kingdom of God. Lord, bless my wife today. Lord, bless her indeed. Expand her territory. Cause your hand to be mightily upon her. Keep her from evil that she may not cause pain in Jesus' name. Help me this day to be the full blessing to her that you want me to be. Help me to serve her as you would have me to today in Jesus' name. Fill her day with joy. Fill it with peace and grace and encouragement. Help her walk in your love, your joy, and your peace. Help her spend the time in your word and in prayer that you would have her spend today in Jesus' name. Help her to put you first in life. Help her, Lord, to make no graven images. Help her, Lord, to not take your name in vain. Help her, Lord, to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. Help her to honor her father and her mother. Help her to value life. Help her to not steal. Help her to not commit adultery. Help her to tell the truth. Help her to not covet. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Father, more and more, empower her this day to fulfill all the call of, of God upon her life. Help her to live today as the living sacrifice you would have her to be and help her to fulfill all your will for her today in Jesus' in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer and thank you again for the gift my wife is to me in Jesus' name. And dear Lord, bless my wife today. 
Keep her and make your face to shine upon her and be gracious to her. Lord, lift up your countenance upon her and give her your peace this day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Now the article continues and it goes on to share next the prayer that a wife will pray, which of course is almost the identical prayer for her husband as well. So again, if you'd like to get a copy of this article entitled Praying Daily for Your Spouse, which contains both the prayer the husband can pray for his wife and the prayer the wife can pray for her husband, simply email us joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. And keep in mind, our encouragement is that every husband and wife, again, would get a copy of it. And just it doesn't take but just a few moments. But praying a prayer like this for your spouse every day can bless your spouse tremendously. And no one can quite pray for them, uh, probably quite not quite like you can. So it's wise, again, for you to take the time in love to pray for your precious spouse. We hope that you will do that. The final article we want to share today is entitled, Marriage, God's Way is Always the Best Way. Again, marriage, God's way is always the best way. Uh-oh, not again. As the new pastor of Leonard Chapel, I had serious concerns over something I'd seen in the church directory. The names of two members, let's call them Mr. Brown and Ms. Rice, were in different places in the directory, but under each was the same address. A mistake, perhaps? Or I thought, hopefully, maybe a coincidence with some innocent explanation. But alas, this was not the case. Soon I learned a truth I really didn't want to hear. Mr. Brown and Ms. Rice were living together, functioning as husband and wife, but had never married. They had lived together for many years and had a number of children together. Still, for whatever reason, they had never chosen to marry. I knew this, not, I knew this was not a matter to rush into headlong. It needed to be addressed prayerfully and carefully with the clear wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit. And quite honestly, I found myself dragging my feet about dealing with it. Ms. Rice was attending faithfully and was very attentive in church, and Mr. Brown came as well, though not as regularly as Ms. Rice. It appeared that at least on some level, they were truly seeking God and His righteousness. Why shake things up? But over time, the Holy Spirit kept nudging me to speak to the couple about their cohabitation. My reluctance to act on that nudge stemmed in part from an incident a few years earlier when I was serving a different congregation in another community in a similar situation when it, a similar situation came to light. In that case, two people in key leadership positions in the church were living together, unmarried, and I felt led to confront them. So carefully, biblically, and with love, I sought to approach them and tried to communicate that as believers, as believers, it's important for us to do things God's way. Without going into great detail, let me say that my attempt at biblical diplomacy basically blew up in my face. The two individuals were highly offended, and with significant support from others in the church, they took action. And in a very short time, I was no longer the pastor of that church, and that was that. Now, facing a similar case, part of me felt like I had good reason to decide not to touch this situation with a 10-foot pole. Still, the Holy Spirit was definitely directing me otherwise. Then one day, a few months later, the Lord arranged a chance for me to speak with Miss Rice. I'd hoped to meet with the couple together, but that scenario didn't work out that day. Instead, my wife and I had an opportunity to sit and talk quietly with Miss Rice alone. Now, allow me to be clear on this point. 
People are too precious to be handled roughly or abrasively, even when we're giving them the truth. God's Word directs us to speak the truth in love. So the three of us spoke together calmly and earnestly, and when it came to in love confronting Miss Rice, basically what I said was, Sister Rice, you come to church regularly and faithfully. You're very attentive, and you seem to have a genuine love for the Lord and the things of God. Yet I want to graciously bring this issue before you to consider. Why not, do th- why not do things God's way and get married? To be honest, I didn't know what reaction to expect, whether offense or anger or something else. Initially, Miss Rice sat graciously and quietly saying nothing. She seemed to be thinking deeply about my words, and it was as though I could see her heart in her eyes, which were shining with the tears forming there. The first thing she said was, how did you know? After I explained briefly about the quote-unquote coincidence of their addresses in the directory, we began to talk further. Afterward, an ongoing three-way conversation developed between Miss Rice, my wife, and me, during which I learned that Miss Rice and Mr. Brown had lived together for more than 20 years, raising their children together and functioning as family. I wanted to marry, but we just never did, Miss Rice confessed one day. But now, she added, I really think I want to do this, to make this step. It was decided that my wife and I would talk to Mr. Brown about the matter soon, first alone, then with him and Ms. Rice together. When the four of us met together, Mr. Brown seemed open to getting married at last. I reminded the couple that it was their decision to make together, but I did encourage them that it would be wise to take this step and to take it fairly soon, possibly within the next month or two. I felt certain that postponing the decision indefinitely or deciding but relegating the act itself to a vague sometime in the future would be neither helpful nor fruitful. The two of them decided that, yes, they would marry, and they selected a date, opting for a relatively short, quote-unquote, engagement. The two seemed surprisingly excited, especially Ms. Rice. Her demeanor seemed to be more like that of a 20-year-old virgin bride-to-be than of an unmarried matron who had already shared a home with the father of her children for more than two decades. The date finally arrived, and the wedding was beautiful. Their three daughters were in the wedding party, and as I watched their proud procession, I could not help thinking what a positive message and life lesson this was to the three children from their parents. A number of other relatives were either in the wedding or present to witness the momentous occasion. One of Ms. Rice's sisters said that she had been praying for that day for years. Of course, I personally felt privileged not only to witness the wedding, but also to perform the ceremony. I remember distinctly during those precious moments of the solemnization, seeing the tears of joy streaming down Ms. Rice's face. I believe those were tears that flowed from a heart that was seeing a long-awaited dream fulfilled. Praise God, besides making a public affirmation of their lifelong commitment to one another, those unconventional newlyweds also sent a very powerful message out that day, not only to their family, but to the entire community, that marriage as God ordained it, is more than a domestic arrangement, more than a quote-unquote civil union, and far more than something two people just do or don't do depending on their emotional attachment or personal convenience. Marriage, done according to the word and the will of God, is a blessed and honorable estate. It is an act of community and of communion designed to reflect the mystery of God's divine love for his people even as it establishes a family within his kingdom. And although 
Some might argue that the ceremony was superfluous. No one looking upon that radiant face of the bride that day would have needed to ask whether, even after more than 20 years, whether or not marriage really matters. It does because God meant for it to matter. Well, keep in mind, even in the midst of the difficulty of the confrontation, again, it was more than worth it. I'll never, I'll never regret having spoken to the couple now known as Mr. and Mrs. Brown. We in the church must not only be willing to lovingly, uh, aggressively to seek to share God's word with others, we must lovingly and aggressively encourage others to live by the wisdom of God's word. The word of God reveals to us that the heart of God, excuse me, the word of God reveals to us the heart of a God who always wants the best for his children which is why God's way is always the best way to do anything. Again, the title of the article, Marriage, God's Way is Always the Best Way. If you'd like to get a copy of that article, simply email us, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to share that with you. Again, joseph at afr.net. As we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today, and you know you've never made the eternally important decision of, in, of asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Today is a great day to be saved. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply from your heart now pray this prayer with me and fully commit your heart and your life to the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so, so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived you died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, Come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In the word of God, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Help me to read your word daily. Help me to pray daily. Help me to obey you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to connect with you and be in touch with you. My email, once again, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We want to share with you some literature and resources, some tools that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, please email us. Again, that email, joseph at afr.net. We'd like to get this material to you. want to be in touch. Again, joseph at afr.net. If you'd like to get a copy of any of the articles we shared, again, the titles, the first article, Biblical Images of Manhood, the second article, Praying Daily for Your Spouse, and the third article, Marriage, God's way is always the best way. If you'd like to get copies, just email us. We'll be glad to share all three with you. Again, joseph at afr.net. We've looked today at the topic, Building a Genuinely Christian Home, Part 2, Biblical Insights to Strengthen Your Marriage. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.